0: So, um you should all be in a small group. We're not gonna talk about softball. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> they cheated. <Yeah. laughs> no. We're just it's a new league. We're just terrible. Uh, so yesterday, my wife and I ran a whole bunch of places. Uh, we had a whole bunch of, like, different graduation things to go to. We went to, uh, a wedding. Uh, Patty Shipsy, you know, she did children's here the first eight months we were here. Uh, lots of bills over there. His, his daughter got married yesterday, so I went up for the wedding. And then, yay! You should all clap, yay! one down, two kids to go. Uh, anyway, so we left that and came back to, uh, Johanna's graduation party, which is Britt, who's the coach of our softball team. It's a, and so the funniest thing, I show up and he's got this shirt and I'm not really a big fan of Christian t shirts or anything, but he had this shirt on and it said on the back of big letters it says it says, Live your life so your pastor doesn't have to lie at your funeral. <laughs> and I thought, that's a great t shirt. <laughs> anyway, uh where, where's Sean? Jones. Sean has an... I've been telling Sean he's not going to make this announcement. I'm going to make him make it. So Sean is coming up and he is going to make an announcement for you. Kara had to leave. She went to go work, but... Where's well, Michael? He's not in there. Uh, uh, just... <laughs> I even unrolled it. Bring, it. bring it this way. It's so awkward coming, being up here and then coming back down and then coming back up again. It's so awkward. <laughs> um, my wife and I are going to have a baby. Um, we're gonna have a baby due date's November fourteenth. Uh, we don't know if it's a boy or a girl yet. Hopefully, we'll find out next week. But uh, I got a picture, uh, and if, if you if you look really close, there's some there's something on his head. We was zoomed in a little bit to figure out what it was, and came across some interesting stuff. <laughs> so yeah, I, I just wanted to share this all with you because I'm excited, and. Um, that's it. <laughs> The first week he tells me, I'm like, tell everybody, tell everybody. But he didn't, so. Uh, if you get the uh, email update, this week I told you that uh, Women's Bible Study meets on Tuesday nights at 6.30. Huh, not for the summer. So if you just discard that, don't like show up here like, oh, I'll go to Women's Bible Study. And you'll show up and it'll be like you. And, and the doors will be locked. You'll be like, this place hates me. And we don't. It just happens. So, all right. Why don't you stand there and read God's Word and we'll get going here. See Ephesians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14. It says this. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you are marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. Let's pray. Father, this morning I ask that we would understand what it means to live and walk in your ways, that your spirit would open us up to the things that you long to say to us, and that we would become more the people that you intend us to be by listening and walking with you. Amen. Have a seat. If you are new, we are going through the Gospel of John. We've been in it uh, since the creation of the world, apparently. Uh, almost a year, actually. But uh, we are nearing the end, so you can rejoice a little bit if you want. We've got about eight weeks left in John, and then then we're done, which I know it's like <laughs> most churches, it's like, we've got a series that's two weeks long. I'm like, I've got a series that's a year. So that's, that's how we do this. Uh Today we're going to do a little bit of theology. Uh, there's two ways people t- uh, typically study theology. One's called systematic. Systematic theology, you take a topic, you put all the verses together and come up with a summary of what the Bible teaches about a topic. Uh, there's also what's called biblical theology, which is you'll get authors and books and how they deal with certain subjects. Today we're going to do a little biblical theology. We're going to look at the book of John and how John sees the subject of the Holy Spirit. There are nine occurrences of the Holy Spirit in the book of John. And when you say the Holy Spirit, you get a huge range of emotion. You get people who are like, Holy Spirit, yeah! <laughs> I need a compressor on me or something. It's like, yeah! And it's like, you know, Mardi Gras, New Year's Eve. And you got other people, it's like the Holy Spirit. And they're like, we don't talk about him. And, you know, so we're going to be like somewhere in the middle of that, which is, I think, pretty, pretty biblical. Uh, so we're just going to jump in and go. It's going to be very practical. You're going to get a lot of information. And you walk out of here smarter than when you walked in. Promise or your money back. Uh, open to John chapter 1. The first occurrence you see of the Holy Spirit is uh, Jesus' afro wearing, bug eating cousin, John the Baptist, comes out of the woods and he's screaming the words, Repent. He's like, Repent! and he's baptizing people in the Jordan. Now, it was so funny because James said when I was baptizing David Boken a couple weeks ago, if you were here like the first couple weeks that we did, John had talked about John the Baptist. People would come down, and he'd be like, what'd you do? What'd you do? And he'd be like, I did this. would be like, boom, dunk, next. And next guy would come in. And so he, he thought I was going to grab a whole David Bokin and go, what'd you do? Clunk. You know, but I think he had to be here like a year ago to get that, so Okay. Anyway, so he's yelling and repents at the baptism. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 32 goes like this. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. So John says, I know Jesus is God because I baptized him and God told me that this is how I would identify the Messiah, the Son of God. This is how I knew. And here in this verse, you actually see a picture of the Trinity, which is taught throughout Scripture, which is one God existing in three persons. Throughout church history, people have said, oh, the church made up the idea of the Trinity. When I hear that, I always think, made it up? We don't even understand it. You know, so how do we... If I'm going to make up something, I am going to totally understand when I'm going to... T- well, we don't really get it completely. One God, three persons, that's how it goes. If you One theologian said if you try to fully comprehend that, you will lose your mind. If you deny it, you lose your salvation. So we're just going to... Leave it right there. One God, okay? Here God the Father speaks about the Son. The Spirit rests like a dove on the Sun. And John knew Jesus is God because of the Holy Spirit. So the first thing the Spirit does is not float like a butterfly and steam like a bee. The first thing the Holy Spirit does is what? See if you guys look at this. Reveal Jesus. Reveal Jesus. First thing it does. You're like, oh, this is question and answer. Not so much, but you know, I'm trying to give you well. Go with that. Uh, So first thing he does is he reveals who Jesus is. Second occurrence, John chapter 3. You can turn there. John chapter 3, verse 1. Primary function of the Spirit to reveal Jesus and show us he is the one true God. John chapter 3, verse 1. Second occurrence. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus... Pharisees are a strict religious sect, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. So Nicodemus, how can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the... Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. So Nicodemus, he believes he has a relationship with God because he's born of the right race, that he obeyed certain commands, and he thinks he's just a good guy. And Jesus says, there is more than that for eternal life. There is more than that relationship with God. There is more than that for the kingdom of heaven. You must be born again. And so Nicodemus says, if I gotta crawl back into my mom, I guess I'm not going to heaven. <laughs> and Jesus says, Well, your mom wouldn't like that, and neither would you. And if you did like it, we probably wouldn't want you in heaven. <laughs> What Jesus tells him is that you're born physically, but you also need to be born spiritually. The Holy Spirit is what does that. The Holy Spirit gives a second birth, new birth. The Spirit's work is like the wind, which we'll come back to at the very end of this message. And so you don't see the wind. What you see is the effects of the wind and what it blows. So the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus, and the Holy Spirit gives new life. It causes us to be born again. Third occurrence, John chapter 3, same where we are, verse 34, just look down hopefully a little bit. Verse number 3 is, for, verse 34, for the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without limit. And so John says, if you really want to speak upon God's behalf, you can only do that through the Holy Spirit. God speaks through His people by His Spirit. You see this throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. In 2 Peter 1.20, Peter says this, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation, for prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. In the present day... Anybody who opens the Scriptures and teaches from the Scriptures, it has to be done with the power of the Spirit of God for there to be any life or any truth in anything that we say. Communication of the Word of God is contingent upon the Spirit of God. So, the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus. The Holy Spirit gives new life. The Holy Spirit speaks to us and through us. Number 4, open to John chapter 4, verse 23. And here you see the woman at the well... She is spiritual, she is lost like much of our culture today. Jesus sits and speaks with her even though most of the Jews at that time would have written her off because of racism. And at the conclusion of their conversation she wants to talk about worship and where is the best place to worship and what is the best way to worship. Uh, chapter four, verse twenty-three says this: Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. So, how do you worship God? The spirit. Exactly. It's not the time or the place. It could be anywhere you can worship God. That means for us we worship God with our spirits by the help of the Holy Spirit. We could be anywhere doing anything. You don't have to be in church or at the temple. You can be at the laundromat. You could be at the softball game in left field standing there just because nobody hit you the ball. You can, that could be you. Uh, you could be driving down the road in your car picking your nose. You can worship God anywhere. Every moment is an opportunity to worship God. In the Old Testament, the Israelites had a thing called the Ark of the Covenant. And God's presence was said to dwell above this. And then, that, then God had them build a temple. In the New Testament, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6.19 that we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. So God's Spirit lives in us. And wherever we are, the Spirit of God is with us. The Spirit that causes our spirit to be alive. So the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus. The Holy Spirit gives us new life. The Holy Spirit speaks to us and through us. And the Holy Spirit enables us to worship. Number five, it's John chapter 7. You're like, we really are going to look at a lot of verses today. Yes, we are. John chapter 7, verse 37 says this, On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So now, you and I today, we stand in a privileged position in relationship with God. The people in the Old Testament did not have the indwelling and sealing of the Holy Spirit as we do today. Before Christ's death and resurrection, God's Spirit would come in certain times and certain places and enable people to do certain things for God's kingdom, whether it's words of prophecy or writing scripture or acts of strength. But once that work was done and completed, the Spirit would remove Himself... And he would depart. People would be left without the Spirit. In Psalm fifty-one, eleven, David says this. He says, Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Because David knows there's a time when the Spirit is not going to be upon him. And so with beginning, I read to you Ephesians 1, 13, and 14. It says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession." And in the Old Testament, they have the Spirit temporarily. You and I, when we believe, we have been sealed by that Spirit. John says when Jesus is talking that they didn't have it yet, but they would after Jesus ascended to the Father. And the Father and the Son would send the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus. The Holy Spirit gives new life. The Holy Spirit speaks to us and, and through us. The Holy Spirit enables us to worship. And the Holy Spirit lives in us or seals us. Uh, number six is John chapter 14. That's verse 15, 14, 15. In John 14, Jesus goes on a long talk about the Holy Spirit and he kind of lands here, John 14, 15. If you love me, you obey what I command and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor or this is the word comforter to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. So part of the Spirit's work is comfort. We, you and I, are in a difficult place The Spirit comes and it comforts and counsels us. The Holy Spirit comes to instruct us, to counsel us, to continue in the truth. Jesus goes on and He says, The world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him for He lives lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. Now this is hours before Jesus' death and He tells His disciples, the counselor is coming and He will work through them as He works in them. So Jesus makes a distinction between His work and the work of the Spirit. He tells them that they will carry on and that he has given them work to do. Now, a lot of people who who don't believe, uh, and and if you're an unbeliever and you're here today, that's great. Hopefully, I can explain some stuff to you. But a lot of people who don't believe in Christ, they want to take this thing called the Spirit and and put it like in a lab and cut it up and test it, and, and, and you can't do that. The Spirit doesn't work that way. Soren Kierkegaard says, God has given us a sixth sense called faith, and with that we perceive God. The world is incapable many times of understanding the presence of the Spirit of God because they do not have faith. Verse 25, Jesus says, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the counsel of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, meaning with my authority, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said. So there are a lot of things that you and I need to know, things we don't understand. And Jesus says the Spirit will teach us those things. He will counsel us. So while the Spirit is in us, He is constantly teaching and growing us. Now, if you are a Christian and you've been a believer for any length of time, and you only know the things you used to know, or you only know the verses that you used to know, you're probably not spending enough time with the Spirit being instructed by him. Because we are to continually grow in the knowledge of God. The Spirit always has something new to teach us. We always have something new to learn. We are like children. For the child of God, we never stop learning. Because God is infinite, and He is endless, and we will never plumb the depths of who He is. If you have ever been reading something and, like, say, Scripture and you're reading this and it just sounds like Charlie Brown's parents, like, walk, 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 and you're like, I don't get it. Then maybe a couple weeks later you come back and you read it again and you go, oh, that makes sense. That's the Spirit of God. That's the Spirit of God talking. You ever have somebody come up and talk to you and just lay some just burden that they have on their heart out to you and I don't even know what to say. And all of a sudden the words just come and you say, that's the Spirit of God. That's what He does. The Holy Spirit comes and He teaches us. That's what he does. He counsels us. I mean, many people, if, if you don't even know Jesus and, and you just read the scriptures, this is for me, and you, and, you, and you read the scriptures, the biggest thing that stands out in scripture and the best way I can say this is uh, we suck and Jesus is good. Th- that, that's how it looks. You come to find out that's the summary of all of scripture. We're terrible and he is good and when we believe and submit to Jesus, all of a sudden life makes much more sense because the Spirit starts to teach us truth. The reasons why the scriptures open up and make sense is that the same Spirit who wrote them Teaches us. He teaches us. You know, why should you read the Bible? Because the Holy Spirit can tell you what He meant when He wrote it. That's why you should study Scripture. And we should pray that God's Spirit teaches us and that we come into contact with good teachers who can also teach us stuff so we can learn. So the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus, gives us new life. The Holy Spirit speaks to us and through us. The Holy Spirit enables us to worship. The Holy Spirit lives in us. The Holy Spirit comforts, counsels, and teaches us. Uh, number seven, this is John 15. So I'm just barreling through these. Number seven, John 15, 26. Jesus says, When the counselor comes, who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify for you have been with me from the beginning. So the ministry of the Spirit is to reveal and to talk about Jesus. There are a lot of churches who love to talk about the Spirit all the time. We don't because in Scripture we fix our eyes on the one who the Spirit was sent to reveal and that is Jesus. The Holy Spirit reveals and testifies about Jesus. The Holy Spirit is a lot like John the Baptist. He just keeps pointing. Pointing to Jesus, he's like the best man at a wedding. That's the groom, that's the groom, that's the groom. That's what a best man actually does. So at any point where Jesus is being glorified and Jesus is being loved and lifted up, that's the Spirit. When talk about Jesus comes freely, that's the Spirit. So the Spirit compels us to speak about Jesus through actions actions. And words So the holy spirit reveals jesus the holy spirit gives new life the holy spirit speaks to us and through us the holy spirit enables us to worship the holy spirit lives in us the holy spirit comforts counsels and teaches us and the holy spirit glorifies or testifies about jesus all right number eight <laughs> you guys are like going holy cow yes uh, chapter 16 verse 5 this is where we left off last week okay this is number eight uh, Jesus says now I am going to him who sent me Yet none of you ask where are you going Because I have said these things you are filled with grief Again hours before Jesus' death He told his disciples he is going to die It's like maybe some of you love the most And they're on their deathbed And you're really feeling for them That's kind of how they feel Verse 7 But I tell you the truth It is for your good that I am going away So you ask well how is that good That you know you don't get to spend time with Jesus anymore And talk and he doesn't get to instruct you How is it good to be Jesus staying?'" And, you know, in talking, hanging out with us more, but Jesus says this, "...unless I go away, the Counselor will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you." It's good that Jesus leaves because the Spirit will come. We are here today because Jesus left and the Spirit came. As Jesus, being a man, He humbles Himself, so He is at one place at one time. The Spirit can be all places at all times in all circumstances, and that is good." And so Jesus then talks about how the Spirit works in those who believe and those who don't. Verse 8, When He comes, He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment, in regard to sin because men do not believe in Me, in regard to righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see Me no longer, in regard to judgment because the Prince of this world now stands condemned. Jesus says the Holy Spirit's job in people is to convict people of sin of sin so that the guilt and the shame sometimes and the stuff that we do that we shouldn't be doing makes us feel very far from god you ever invite somebody to go to church or bible study or something and they go i can never go the place would fall down on my head anybody <laughs> no okay well, i have people say it to me all the time so whatever i must be a freak so you know they say oh i can't go because what that is they know what they're doing is wrong and it's like i don't want to go there i'm going to be convicted well they're all already being convicted because they don't want to show up it's the holy spirit he's actually convicting people you know the the whole thing with, with the Spirit convicting people, it's, it's a beautiful thing because He reveals that God is good and that we are not. He reveals that, that our actions would make us stand condemned before a righteous God, that we are enemies of God. If you have ever felt convicted, that is the work of the Spirit. And what we need is righteousness. But unfortunately, we all just have sin and we don't have any righteousness of our own. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, He, Jesus, became sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. And Jesus exchanges his righteousness for our sin. And Christ's perfection is placed upon us. And our condemnation is gone and we are lifted up. I mean, most people think, oh, good people go go to heaven. You don't beat people up who who don't have it coming. You know, you don't steal unless you really need it. Uh, you know, you... Yeah. Okay, you don't lie when it's a big deal, you know, stuff like that. Plus you've got a whole lot of humility. Then all of a sudden you realize, you know, your tongue is evil and, and you swear all the time, you tear people down, that you have more of your own self-interest at heart than other people's or God's, uh, that you in your life have become your own God. You realize essentially that you are full of crap. Can you say that in church? Yes, you can. You're full of crap. And so the Spirit convicts people and some people run. And some people ignore it while other people listen and go, yeah, I am full of it. And I need to lay this before God. Now, some of you also, you try to be the Holy Spirit for your friends. You try to tell your friends, oh, that's wrong. What are you doing? And you know what? Your friends don't listen to you. Because you're not the Holy Spirit. That's right. Or sometimes your friends just say, oh, you're right. And then they walk away and never talk to you again. You know, because that's what the, the only way for true conviction to come is to the Holy Spirit. You can't use the Irish option for yelling because that doesn't work. Because, again, you can't convict people of sin. Only God does. So what do you do? Jesus says throughout scriptures, you pray. You pray that God will convict them. I learned this from my, I had some friends named Brad and Sandy. Before I got married, they had this little apartment out behind their house. And I, and I lived with them. And one day, I, I get up out of bed, and I'm just like feeling terrible inside. I'm like, what is going on? So I walk into Brad and Sandy's house, and I go, I've got to apologize to you guys. I just feel terrible. And Sandy goes, that's because you're being a jerk. And I go, why didn't you tell me? She says, because I prayed. And I go, great. She sicked God on me. <laughs> she, she goes, yes. And, and God, did, God did his job. I mean, seriously, you, you know someone who's really screwing up? Sick the Holy Spirit on him. Do it. You know, just, just pray about it. And I'll tell you, you, husband, wife, one of your friends, pray about it. And all of a sudden, you know what happens when you start to pray for somebody? I think God goes after him, but also your heart becomes much more tender towards those people. You become much more compassionate towards them. The primary work of the Spirit in these verses on believers and non-believers is conviction. Jesus in verse 12 says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. It's because I got so much to say, I could talk forever, but I won't. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to Me by taking from what is Mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is Mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will take from what is Mine and make it known to you. In a little while, you will see Me no more. He's like, I will die. And then after a while, you will see Me. So Jesus says, you have no idea what circumstances in your life is going to be. You have no idea what needs you will have. And I'm not going to tell you, which is very nice of him. But part of our problem is that we want to know everything. You know, when people go to school, you know, either college or seminary or whatever, they, you come out of that and, and they think that they're teaching you everything you need to know. And you get out and you don't know anything. It's like nothing. That, let me ask you this. Okay, how many of you thought that you would end up in Santa Maria with the job that you have and the house that you have and the friends that you have in Element, This <laughs> one. How many of you, Anybody? One. See, one. The rest of us are like, <laughs> I had no idea. Exactly. Exactly. That is the Spirit. The Spirit takes us where we need to be. The Holy Spirit determines what we need to know. You know, a lot of people a- ask me questions like, um, what is Element's 10 year plan? Five or 10 year? You know, what are you guys going to be doing in five to 10 years? Uh, I'll tell you this. I have some goals and some ideas of what I'd like to see us do. Uh, I would like to see us start a counseling center because there's a lot of people in this valley who really need it. Uh, I would like to see us start a ministry where uh, there's a lot of people in this valley who, who need a lot of help and a lot of people who abuse uh, different nonprofits to get some stuff that they need. And what I would like to see is one central entity where all nonprofits and churches could all have, say, these are the resources we have. Everybody would go through this one place. And we would say, okay, here's what you need. Here's the resources. And we would find the legitimate needs. And we could help people who have legitimate needs. I would love to see that take place. I would love to see Element in the next five to ten years uh, plant an indigenous church in the northwest section of Santa Maria. I would like to find somebody who lives in that neighborhood, who loves that neighborhood, and say, we need to to plant a church here to reach these people. I would love to be involved in something like that. I would love to see us help plant a church in Isla Vista, because that's another culture completely. You know, I would love to see these things take place. You know, so what's our five or ten i got lots of goals, lots of things I'd like to see happen. I would like to see us make a gigantic difference in our community for the gospel of Christ simply because we are living and loving Jesus. But what does that look like for us? Essentially, we just love Jesus and do what the Spirit says. We don't know what's going to happen in five or ten years. But we just follow God. We have our goals, but we act wisely and we don't worry we don't worry. And in Matthew six thirty four, Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. I'll take care of it. God knows what he is doing and he will lead and guide us into all truth. It's so the Holy Spirit. He reveals God, brings us into relationship with God and gives us new life. The Holy Spirit enables us to worship. The Holy Spirit lives in us. The Holy Spirit comforts, counsels, teaches us. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. The Holy Spirit brings conviction. Uh, the Holy Spirit guides us into truth. Number nine, this is number nine the last one. Yay. John chapter 20. Verse 21, this is how the disciples receive the Spirit. Okay, John 20, 21. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Now, that's the theme of John's Gospel. God the Father sent the Son. God the Father and God the Son sent the Spirit. God the Father, God the Son and God the Spirit send us as missionaries into the world so we can make a difference in the places that we live. Now, what are you doing here in Santa Maria, California? God sent you here. Lucky you. (laughs) You don't have to go to Africa or Istanbul or Korea, though some people are called there. You can just go across the street to your neighbor. You can go to your job. You can go to your sports league. That's where you have been sent. We are all in full-time ministry. We are all ministers of the gospel of Christ. We are all working on Jesus' behalf. And how do we get that all done? Because there's a lot of people on this planet. The answer is the Holy Spirit. It says, and with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is sent from Jesus. And I have seen some nutty things where people get up and they try and blow on other people. It's like, whew. And I'm like, well, that's kind of freaky. You know why? Because they're not Jesus. All those people who do that, I've never seen them try and walk on water. You know, just, I'm going to blow on somebody. And, and they, Okay, it's just me, Whatever. The Spirit comes from Jesus, so we can do His work. That's the point. This language echoes John chapter 3, where Jesus says the Spirit is like wind. Jesus blows on them. It echoes Ephesians 5.18, where Paul says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. The, the, the whole Greek word for the, this idea of filled with the Spirit, it's, it's an idea of like sails on a ship. That when Jesus blows, when the Spirit blows, the, the sails unfurl and the ship moves. And when we say, God, I am not going to go where you want me to go. I am not going to listen to you. We are like dropping anchor and we are in sin. And yet when we lift up that anchor and we say, okay, I'm going to go where your wind blows. That is what we're supposed to be. Pull up the anchor. Let the sails fill out with Him blowing in and upon us. So He takes us where we're supposed to go. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus, gives us new life. He speaks to us and through us, enables us to worship. He lives in us. The Holy Spirit teaches us. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. The Holy Spirit guides us to truth. The Holy Spirit convicts us. And the Holy Spirit sends us. He sends us. As believers, if you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit enables all of God's people, all of His messengers to be part of this work. He has gifted all of us by equipping us for the task wherever He decides to send us. In 1 Corinthians 12.4 it says, there are different kinds of gifts but the same Spirit, different kinds of service but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working but the same God works all of them and all men. We all have different gifts. We all do different things. Can you imagine how painful it would be for you and I if we walked in this room on a Sunday morning and everybody was a preacher? You'd be like, yeah, you'd want to smash your head in and then walk out the door and be like, I can't. You know, we need other people around to do different stuff. If no one's out front shaking hands or no one does the books to keep us out of jail, you know, these are important things. What if, you know, you came in and everybody just shook hands and nobody talked you out of the Word of God? We all have these gifts. They all go together. Into what God calls us to be. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus, brings us into relationship, enables us to worship, convicts us of sin, teaches us, comforts us, guides us to the truth. He is given by Jesus, and when the Spirit works in us and gifts us for service, the body of believers can be built up. That's what the Spirit does. If you call yourself a Christian, if you truly believe in Jesus, you have the Spirit. You do not need me to smack you on the head. You do not need me, need me to breathe on you. Which on a Sunday morning I haven't eaten breakfast, so it's really bad. You might pass out anyway, and be like, whoop. You know, and that, and that might be it right there. You don't need me to breathe on you. If you have come to trust Jesus with your life, that is a work of the Spirit. If you love Jesus, that is the Spirit. What you and I need to do now is we need to let Him and allow Him to blow in us daily and take us where He will, that we will walk in His strength that He provides and listen when He comforts and convicts us. You have the Spirit. Now you live in Him as He has promised to be in you. This is one of the reasons every week I bring you guys to communion, every single week. Communion reminds us that Jesus died for us. That's why you take that cracker and you break it and you dip it in the wine of the grape juice which reminds us of his body and his blood that was broken and shed for you and I. And this here enables us to take away our sin. The Holy Spirit gives us life so that we can feel his blowing in and through us. Communion. We worship God through, worship God through prayer. There's some deacons and elders in the back of the room. If you need prayer... If you have like, man, I, I don't I don't love Jesus, pray with them. <laughs> you know, if I don't love anybody, and <laughs> pray with them. You know, if if you feel like, you know, you you are missing something or you've been taught something that maybe wasn't true, talk with them. They would love to pray with you. They'd love to introduce you to who Jesus Christ is. As to worship God through communion, through prayer, we're gonna worship God through song, the band's gonna come back up. As you do some songs, you can take some time. Ask God where He is blowing you, where you need to listen, you know, where He's convicting you. And you ask him, you know, God, where do you want me to go? Where are you taking me? Where do I need to listen? We worship God through giving. There's offering boxes on the side wall in the back of the room. And we give simply because God gave so much to you and I. So we give to him as well. Uh, and then we worship God through the fellowship. My wife made some amazing bread, everybody said. It's in the back. Okay, So you can have some bread, hang out. It's like you get a little cracker and then you get some real bread in the back. Uh, you know, and, and hang out and talk because another one of the reasons that, that God saves us and redeems us so we can have restored relationships with each other so that we can then be a body of people moving in a common direction where our worship is much more on display outside these walls than inside these walls. That all these things that the Spirit does that would be on display out there, how He leads and loves and convicts, and we are people who should glorify who Christ is. We, as a people that God has so loving and redeemed moving in a common direction. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I do ask that we would be a people who hear your spirit and his words. God, that we would not get sidetracked as we so often do with all the periphery that wants to clog our lives and obstruct our view of you but that we would simply listen to your spirit and who he reveals. God, I ask that you would teach us to be more like you and your spirit and that we would be a people who reveal and glorify and testify about Jesus. And Father, as you convict us, as you comfort us, as you lead us with your spirit, That we would listen, that our lives would become different, that we would be filled with your spirit and truly become the people you always intended for us to be. And have us be those who live the message of your grace and truth and love and peace to all that we come into contact with. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for sending the Spirit. Amen.